You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. advantage of a divine appointment because we're looking out for ourselves because we think that we're maybe whatever instead of looking at the spiritual we focus on the physical all things are spiritual now that we're a spirit we're, we're born again of the spirit all things are spiritual we have to think that way we have to think that if god places somebody in front of you what do you want to do god what do you want me to say am i supposed to speak to this person am i supposed to try to help them what's going on we always need to look for a way to honor god It's hard to keep that attitude of constant spiritual-mindedness, isn't it? It's easy to be more concerned about yourself, and you end up acting in a way that doesn't honor God. Pastor Dave will be teaching about the prophet Elisha and the miracles that he did. You'll see how it seemed that he was always looking to put God in a good light. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Kings chapter 4 as he continues his message, Elisha, a worker of miracles. This man offers Elisha bread of the first fruit, 20 loaves. Immediately something's wrong here. Will somebody tell me what's wrong? What's wrong with him offering Elisha the first fruits, these 20 loaves? Well, who do the first fruits belong to? The Lord. They belong to the Lord, not to Elisha. Now, you can look about that in Leviticus 23, Numbers 18, and Deuteronomy 18. This just shows us how bad things were in the northern kingdom. This shows us how bad things were in Samaria when they how far they had strayed from the word of God. And with the absence of the word of God, anything goes. Take away the word of God, anything goes. This is why there is a part of our country who wants to do away with all things pertaining to God. Take away prayer. Take away the Ten Commandments. Take away the nativity scenes. Take away all these things. Because if I do that, then there are no absolutes. And anything I say is true. What's true for me is true for you. We all have our own truth and we can do our own thing. So, But you got to get rid of God first because God is truth. With God, there are absolutes. But you got to get rid of him first. Now, before we jump down this guy's throat, we might have to give him a pass. Simply because Was he giving these loaves to Elisha because he viewed him as God's messenger and there was no other priest or prophet in the area? Don't know. Could be. we got to give him a little bit of pass. Because in the absence of prophets and priests, this guy recognizes Elisha as a man of God. He said, well, I'll give the first fruits to him and I'll give them. If he's doing it with that kind of a heart, well, praise God, this is a good thing. So before we get wrong... I also love the way God uses anything that he gets. (laughs) Much like Andrew bringing the little boy with the two fishes and the five loaves. I love this. But Elisha is a great shepherd. Elisha is, well remember folks, there's a famine in the land. I don't know where this bread came from, but there's a famine in the land. Elisha could have sat down and given it out to a couple guys and they could have had a great feast. But Elisha, being also a good shepherd, says, let's give it to the men. Let's feed the flock. 
Let's feed them. And they are fed. And the Lord blesses them. And they have leftovers just as Elisha prophesied. They're full and they have leftovers. And we said, this is a preview. This is a preview of the prophet, the greater prophet that's coming. His name is Jesus Christ. When he took the two fishes and five loaves and he multiplied them and fed 5,000. Now, 5,000 men. Who knows how many he really fed? We don't know. And 4,000 another time. I love what Elisha's servant Gehazi says. What, shall I set this before 100 men? Isn't that what one of the disciples said? Well, what are you going to do? There's the thousand, could take a fortune to feed all these guys. So as Elisha prophesied, they all ate and there was plenty. But speaking of the first fruit, again, given to us by this worshiper of Baal, God even uses this to feed these hungry guys. I think that's interesting. God even used this to feed these hungry guys. Remember, there was a famine and food was scarce. The first fruit was given to Elisha. He presented it to God and God multiplied it. Which brings me back. What about your first fruits? What are you doing with your first fruits? To whom are you offering your first fruits? First fruits of finances, first fruits of time, first fruits of any talent that the Lord has given you, first fruits of your energy. What are you doing with these first fruits that God has given to you graciously? Are you giving them back to God? I guarantee if you do, God will multiply them and you will be blessed beyond belief. God will multiply them and there's always plenty left over. So we end chapter four with these two really cool stories of Elisha doing these miracles. The miracle man strikes again. And then we come into chapter five and there's this really interesting story about a guy by the name of Naaman. All right, let's read verse one of chapter five. Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor. So we see some descriptors about Naaman. He was a mighty man of valor. He was honorable. He was a commander of the Syrian army. He was well esteemed by his master because the Lord had given him a victory through his hand. But, 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 I love what one commentator said. I love this. I have to tell you this. One commentator said this, quote, No matter how good your situation is, on this side of eternity, there's always going to be a but. Always going to be a but on this side of eternity. Look at 1B. Naaman was a leper, but he was a leper. A leper. What's interesting here is, this is an aside, Elijah is mentioned some 20 times in the New Testament. But Elisha is only mentioned once in Luke 4. In what reference? The healing of Naaman. It's the only time he is mentioned by Jesus himself about the healing of Naaman in the Bible in Luke 4. Luke records it for us. Leprosy is a disease. It starts out with little small spots that spread very quickly. Eventually, they start to eat away your hands, your arms, your eggs, and eventually you die an incredibly horrible death. There is no cure for leprosy. In the Bible, leprosy is always representative of sin. Always representative of sin. 
Think about it. How does most sin begin in our lives? Something small, something kind of insignificant, we think, and then it kind of multiplies, and it kind of multiplies, and it kind of gets bigger, and pretty soon it causes pain and death. So leprosy is a picture of sin. Nathan was a very well-to-do man. He had everything going for him, but he had leprosy. Just like sin, leprosy is no respecter of person. Sin is no respecter of a person. Well, how can I say that? We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's how I can say that. So sin is no respecter of a person. It doesn't matter, no matter how much you make or how much you don't make, how much you have or how much you don't have, another matter. Doesn't matter about male or female. It doesn't matter about ethnicity. It doesn't matter. Sin strikes our life. Leprosy can strike a life in these days. Look at two and three. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, if only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. I love this. Back in that time when enemies attacked each other, they would usually kill all the men and they would take all the women and children with them off and they would make them slaves or servants where they were, where they lived. During one of these raids, a young Jewish woman was kidnapped and now is serving Naaman's wife. And she obviously knows of Naaman's disease. And she says, gee, if only my master would go to the prophet in Samaria. Remember, Samaria is the same name for the northern kingdom of Israel. If only he would go to Samaria. And I love this. I love this little girl. Why? She could have been there and she could have been real bitter. She could have been extremely bitter and said, I ain't saying a word to this guy. You're going to die, sucker. I'm not saying a word to you. I'm going to watch your arm fall off. I don't care. But she didn't. She could have easily sought revenge for being kidnapped and taken away from her home. Instead, she allowed herself to be used by the Lord. She showed great mercy and grace towards her captor. What a witness. What a witness for this little girl. And here you see God using this tragedy of hers to accomplish a greater good. We have to look at those kind of things. When God allows tragedy to come into our lives, when God allows circumstances to come into our lives that seem horrific, and I'm not minimizing any of them because some of them are horrific. What's the greater good? What is God trying to do? I've said this before. Sometimes something that befalls us might not even be about us. It might be for someone else. Someone else might be looking into your life and seeing how you react to this malady or to this problem, and that is just what they need to see to come closer to God. So that's what this little girl's doing. God works in such mysterious ways. We don't know the plans of God. We don't know the works of God. But we're supposed to give him glory and praise. Naaman goes to his boss, who's the king of Syria, and the boss sends a letter to the king of Israel. doesn't go over real big. Let's look forward to seven. And Naaman went and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl who was from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, Now go, or go now, and I will send the letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, now be advised, when this letter comes to you, that I have sent Naaman my servant to you, and that you may heal him of leprosy. 
And it happened when the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes and said, am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends a man to me to heal him of leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. Doesn't go over very big. Naaman takes some money with him. Uh, somebody took these quantities and made them current, and they said it's about $1.2 million that Naaman has carrying around with them. The king's letter infuriates the king of Israel by suggesting he heal Naaman. And you gotta love his response, am I God? At least he knows there's a God. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's not following God, but at least he knows there is a God. I'm not God, why would you ask me? The king knew it was out of his power to have anything to do with Naaman's healing of leprosy. He didn't have a relationship with Elisha. He didn't have a relationship. In fact, the relationship they had was kind of adversarial. It was kind of adversarial. The, Elisha had the power of God to heal. Even this little girl knew it because he had healed the death of the boy who was dead from the Shunammite woman. So the king says that, thinks that Israel is trying to look for a fight. They're looking for a fight. But Elisha finds out about this and he goes and talks to the king. Look at verse 8. So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes. Remember, tearing your clothes means you're disgusted. You're angry. How dare you think I'm God? So he rips his clothes in disgust. It was a great outward sign of being disgusted. He says, when he heard that he tore his clothes, that he has sent the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Again, what is Elisha trying to do? Show the man God. He wants to show them God. He wants to, to prove to them that the God of Israel, Jehovah, is the true one living God. So that's what he's trying to do. Sadly, the king of Israel had an opportunity to honor God and make peace with Syria. But he didn't take advantage of it. He didn't take advantage of it. This has led me to think, how many times are we given an opportunity to honor God? And for some reason, we choose not to. How many times do we fail to take advantage of a divine appointment because we're looking out for ourselves? Because we think that we're maybe whatever. Instead of looking at the spiritual, we focus on the physical. All things are spiritual now that we're a spirit. We're, we're born again of the spirit. All things are spiritual. We have to think that way. We have to think that if God places somebody in front of you, what do you want to do, God? What do you want me to say? Am I supposed to speak to this person? Am I supposed to try to help them? What's going on? We always need to look for a way to honor God. The king of Israel's mind was so blinded by fear and unbelief, he didn't understand what the Lord was doing. He didn't take time to ask either. And sadly, we can struggle from the same problems. If we're not abiding in Christ, if we're not... Being in the word of God, we too can be led astray. We too can miss opportunities that God sets up. How many of you pray for divine appointments every day? I do. I pray for divine appointments every day. But I have to admit, sometimes they come up and I miss them. I think I'm too busy or something like that. Heaven forbid. We have a chance to honor God. So Elisha gently rebukes the king. And he's basically saying, hey, this is your fault because you don't have a relationship with God. If you had a relationship with God, you might know him better. Send a man to me, and I'm going to know that there's a prophet in Israel. The whole purpose was for this man to know the God of Israel, to know Jehovah, and he was going to get to meet Jehovah Rapta, God, our healer. He was going to get to meet this guy. Look at verses 9 and 10. 
Then Naaman went with his horse and chariot and stood at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a message to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. Nathan goes to the house of Elisha and receives the message from the prophet. The prophet's instructions are quite clear. Go and wash in the Jordan River seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. A simple, concise message. This is what I want you to do. This doesn't go over very well. Look at 11 and 12. But Naaman became furious. And he went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me, and he will stand and call on the name of the Lord as God, and wave his hand over the place and heal my leprosy. Are not the banana and the parker, the rivers of Damascus, better than the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Oh my, huffy, huffy, huffy. It's almost like he's saying to Elisha, do you know who I am? Who do you think I am? Who do you think you are? Who do you think I think that you are? Look at me, I'm here, come on. You don't even have a right to come out. What's going on here? Oh, we got some pride going on here. We got some pride going on here. I came on my horse and my chariot and my servants, and you're not going to come out to meet me? All you do is send some guy out to tell me what to do? Wait a minute here. This is not the way it's supposed to go. You're supposed to come out and wave your hand, and my leprosy's supposed to go away. How many times did you put God in that box when you want something really bad or when you're struggling with something? God, you're supposed to do it this way. I've got it all worked out. I got it all worked out here, God. Look at the pages right here. It's all written for you to follow. Come on. Yeah. Man directs his steps, but God has a better plan, doesn't he? God has a better plan. Naaman had it all worked out. Lord, this is the way you're going to heal me. What are you doing? I'm going to get angry. This is not your way. Oh, how God resists the proud. How much he resists the proud. How much grace does he give to the humble? Many times God acts in a way that is so contrary to our thoughts. He, he uses so many things for his advantage and he acts in such different ways maladies and crazy things that happen and you walk back and you scratch your head and say what is going on but God has a purpose and a plan for everything that he does every single thing that he does he has his purpose and his plan name and I've come all this way to meet you and you're not even going to come out to talk to me well who do you think you are prophet you know who I am I'm Nathan I'm the commander of the army of Syria. My boss likes me. I'm a good guy. He became indignant. And you're going to tell me to wash it nowhere? The Jordan. Folks, I've seen the Jordan. <laughs> oh, boy, is it a muddy mess? When we saw it last year, it was about this big because it was not harvest time. It was kind of, ugh. He said, there are rivers far greater and far cleaner than the Jordan. And you want me to go to the Jordan? Come on. His pride basically got the better of him. Now, before we judge Naaman, <laughs> before we start to come down real hard on Naaman, we got to watch out what we're doing here. We got to watch out how we act. The Lord had everything under control for Naaman. The Jewish girl had told him to come to Israel. There was a prophet there that would heal him. God had used this Jewish girl. 
God has servants of Naaman's there. And listen to the boldness of the servants. And I love these servants who stood up to Naaman. And this was bold, folks, because in this culture, you didn't stand up to your master this way. If you did, you'd probably be wandering around looking for your head. You did not stand up to your master this way. Look what they say in verse 13. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says, wash and be clean? Oh, yo, guys, how much more to be washed and be clean? What an answer. What a brilliant, brilliant answer from these servants. Now, we all want to do great things. We all want to do great things. And my favorite story coming out of the old Harvest book in Calvary Chapel is when Greg Laurie went to Pastor Chuck's door at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa and pounded on the door and the door was open and Romaine stood there and, and Greg Laurie said, I'm going to be a pastor. And Romaine said, good, wait a minute. Went and got a broom and came out and said, here, sweep the parking lot. And Greg will tell you, the entire time he's sweeping, he's going, well, I'm going to be a pastor. What is this? We don't want to do the small stuff. Nobody wants to do the, the mundane. Nobody wants to come in on Saturday morning and clean the toilets. Praise God, we got people who do. Praise God, we got people who want to clean the toilets. Praise God, they want people who humble themselves. But nobody wants to do that kind of stuff. Everybody wants to be up here. This is my spot, guys, and nobody's coming up here. <laughs> Everybody wants to be up here. Look at me. Nobody wants to do the small things, the little things, the mundane things. This is where Naaman is. Wait a minute. Know who I am? I'm naming from the old country. I'm naming from the old neighborhood. Come on. What's wrong with you guys? Wave your hand. It'll be gone. Don't make me go down there. <laughs> Bathe in that muddy, nasty water? My goodness. Oh, my. His servants, man. I just have this picture of them all gathering going, who's going to tell them? I'm not going to tell him. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to tell him. You tell him. I'm not going to tell him. Let's draw straws. <laughs> Can you imagine? Who got the short one? Oh, we'll see you later. But nice knowing you. Go tell David that. Go ahead. Yeah, I love it, man. But they were bold. See, God even used that. See, God even used these servants, these poor servants who didn't know there was a God, or maybe they did. Maybe they were Jews who were serving him who had been captured. I don't know. It doesn't say. But God even uses that. He uses that. He uses everything. Let me tell you something. If you're not ready to do the mundane, if you're not ready to do the simple things, if you're not ready to get your hands dirty, so to speak, if you're not ready to, to pick up trash in the parking lot, if you're not ready to sweep a floor, or if you're not ready to wax a floor or wash a floor, if you're not ready for any of that, you're not ready for ministry. I'm sorry. It's not in you. Because that's where ministry starts. That's where ministry begins. Doing those kinds of things, that's when it starts there. And if you're not ready to do that, you're really not ready. If you want to jump right from there to up here or, or wherever, no, no. If the prophet had to ask you to do something great, would you do it? Boy, we all want to do that great thing. We all want to do that great thing. Why? So we can say, look what I did. I'm responsible for that. Look at me. Ain't I great? Well, I tell you this. I'm all this in a bag of chips. Woo! Look at me. That's what we want. You are a sure. 
You've been listening to a teaching from the book of 2 Kings with Pastor Dave Shank on A Sure Hope. There's a theme that you notice throughout this book. A person's actions have consequences. In the case of the majority of kings in this book, it was evil actions that incurred negative consequences. Do you think God enjoys handing out consequences for sin? On the contrary, just as a parent would prefer willful obedience, God desires for people to seek after Him and follow what He says because it's best for them. When that isn't the case, it grieves him to put forth discipline, but it's always with a heart for people to come back to him for their good. If you missed any part of today's teaching or you'd like to listen to additional messages from Pastor Dave, visit AssureHopeRadio.com. Perhaps as you were listening, you realized that you have some questions about what you heard. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. In addition to that, you're welcome to email us at info at capewatchradio.com with any questions, concerns, or prayer requests. Would you rather talk to us in person? Then think about joining us this Sunday for a time in God's Word at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. Everything you need to know is on our website, assurehoperadio.com. Thank you again for taking time to learn from the book of 2 Kings today. We hope you'll join us again on Assure Hope. Rescue.